Still Kirby. Lovely check. Kirby! Welcome to another episode of Fran Kirby's Fight Club. Your one-stop listen for all things Chelsea FCW. And of course, the absolute legend that is Super Fran Kirby, who went nuclear. We'll get to it. Thankfully, I'm merely one of your hosts, and Mariam is here with me. Mariam, on a scale of one to Fran Kirby versus Redding, how are you doing? 11. <laughs> I think it's, it's, a good, it's a good number to go with. It's just been, like you mentioned, nuclear, absolutely explosive stuff from her today. Oh, as you guys can probably imagine, the Fran Kirby's Fight Club is probably a little excited to get to talk about this match. So... We're going to get to it right away. Um, results, if you missed it, we started off the new year with a WSL league match versus Reading. It was a four, well, Fran Kirby scored four goals. G added a fifth. Fran Kirby scored four straight goals. She also scored in a hat trick in the first half, and it was a perfect hat trick, right foot, left foot header. Then she scored another header just for fun because that's what she's doing now despite being just 5-2. <laughs> it's so great. Uh, let's run through the goals real quick. Uh, of course, like I mentioned, Fran Kirby got us off on the right foot in the 16th minute. Right-footed shot. She rounded the keeper. This is actually a really neat play by her because it was really difficult in, that, in all of that space to look at the defender on the other side of the pitch and keep herself on side and just kind of hope the ball comes to her. And the ball did. And then she gets the ball, drives directly at the goalkeeper, draws the goalkeeper out, and then rounds the keeper so she can put it into an empty net. It was a really smart, clever goal. The kind of thing we, it's almost like a classic Fran Kirby goal. Um, and then seven minutes later, 23rd minute, she pounces on a poorly placed pass on, in defense. I think she was the one who actually stuck her leg out and cut it out, ran onto it, gained possession, held off the defender, uh, tried to go kind of cut across the goalkeeper a little bit, but in doing that, she pulled the goalkeeper wide, had her stretched, and then clipped the ball with her left foot into the far side netting. Uh, that was, or it was actually kind of the far right corner. Uh, so that was one, uh, her second goal. And then in stoppage time, she had a header. This was a little clever set piece. This was uh, Aaron Cuthbert was kind of on the right. Uh, and it was a little bit too far out for a direct shot at goal. So she just kind of clipped the ball wide a bunch of Chelsea players were on the overload on the right side Sam Kerr was the one who got to it first before it went out of play and she kind of flicked it with her foot just kind of into open space and in the mood that Fran Kirby was in there was no way she was going to pass the opportunity to get the shot on goal and so she just darts in first to the header nobody challenges her it's in the back of the net then in the 53rd minute, she gets another header from Aguro Wrighton uh, across from a corner on the left side. This was a really fun header because it just kind of looped over the goalkeeper and plopped into the far side netting like it knew it needed to go into the goal because Fran Kirby headed it. Why You're not going to deny her a fourth goal, so why not get in the <laughs> net? And that's what it did. Uh, and then you had a beautiful strike. This was, this was a G. This was almost like throwback G right G here. Special. This was, yeah, this was a terrific goal because the ball was bouncing around. And she just, this is the thing with G, her creativity and her quickness of thought. There was a player who was running, a defender running right at her because the ball was bouncing to her and she didn't have an angle for a shot. Most players would have just hit the ball, you know, tried to get a deflection to get a corner or something. G puts her foot right foot up and just flicks it around the defender, takes herself wide, and then off of the ensuing bounce, 
strikes it with her left foot into across the keeper into the far side netting. Just a just a beautiful movement. Just it's it's so hard to do that, and it's so hard to do that with both feet, using both feet in a technical way, and using your left foot to smash the ball into the net and not sky high, which is also very difficult to do when you're hitting a volley. So just a classic, beautiful goal from G. Ah, that was fun. So now <laughs> we're going to talk about it a little bit more. We usually analyze play, if you've listened to us before, we start from the back and we go to the front. So we talk about the defense, the midfield, and then the attack. We wouldn't dare do so this time. It would be criminal. So we're going to just talk about Fran Kirby. So, Mariam, what did you think of Fran as the number 10? I think it's quite clear that she's natural in that in that role. The the way that she kind of comes onto the ball, her, her dribbling, her pressing, it's something that she enjoys doing. You can tell, like, each and every one of her goals, she was the one that was pushing on the front foot, pressing the defence, forcing mistakes. Um, and it's it's an area that she just is clearly excelling in. I think when you have someone like G in that space, although you have the same kind of attributes, G isn't as quick on the ball in terms of pushing forward. She can get in and out of spaces quite easily. She's a slippery character, hard to mark. Um, but it seemed like having Kirby in that position, it just kind of unlocked our attack. It gave the the front sort of two or three, it gave them an extra level to play with. And I think that really helped having... Um, Kirby in the middle and then having Kerr sort of drift out on the flank and provide her the ball as well because she obviously played a part in that second role um, uh, for Fran Kirby's third so I think Emma Hayes has realised that or I hope she has realised that playing Kirby in that position is what's going to get us to start scoring a bit more because uh, if there's anyone in form at the moment it is Fran Kirby. Yeah so this was one of those really interesting things and you kind of saw how it worked very well in the attack so you did have Guo rights and she got an, an a start. She hasn't had too many, but she got a start on the left. You had Neve Charles who came in on the right, and Fran Kirby was in that central area behind the striker Sam Kerr. And it's that area that has been difficult for us to work with in our attack. Normally, you know, sometimes, and we didn't have to worry about it in this match, but sometimes Sam Kerr and Pernilla Harder or Beth England will be on the pitch together. And so that's too. Uh, strikers, really central central forward type strikers who hang out in the box a lot, crowd that space. Well, we didn't really have that problem in this mm -hmm. match because it was just Sam Kerr up top. But you also saw that having somebody like Fran Kirby central meant that any space that opened up, she could attack. So whether it was on the right, whether it was on the left, whether it was dead center, and and Sam Kerr was occupying two center backs, so she had a lot of room to roam, and she had a lot of time when she got the, got on the ball in dangerous areas. Plus, we saw probably Fran Kirby's best strike of the entire day was that shot that hit off the post. It was one of a cla it was a classic Fran Kirby curler on the left side of the pitch. She hit it with her right on instep, and it curled, and it just didn't curl enough, and it smacked off the post. It's a great strike, but it's also one of those strikes that lets the defense know it draws them out. You can't just leave me unmarked in this space. I can put the ball in the net from here and you're going to have to come out. And I think if you if you guys remember, or if you go back and listen to our first deep dive on Chelsea's finishing, we were talking about our finishing struggles. The one thing we did mention was finding a way to make that, that space work because the way our attacks had been working, we were overloading the right side a lot. And in this match, we didn't do that. We worked the ball central. And in doing so, we opened up the right and the left flank. 
and we really were able to overwhelm Reading, which is a very, and, and, and even though the scoreline is 5-0 and it looks really bad for Reading, we don't want to talk about them as easy competition because they aren't. Reading's a very good, good squad. They know how to defend against teams that are like Chelsea that have a lot of attacking uh, skill, and they are very organized and stay in their blocks and are hard to draw out. And so it's very difficult, and it was very difficult. It could have been a very difficult match. Reading is actually sixth in the table. They've got a few more points than you would probably imagine, given the scoreline. But Reading is one of those teams that is difficult to play against, and Fran Kirby just tore them apart. Absolutely. Like you said, um, both our flank players were quite strong in the sense that we had players drifting out there more often because it wasn't so sort of cramped and stuff. And there was more, and that also gave Kirby more space to operate in, and she had so much ground in front of her to pull the strings and play passes and, and run into I think it's something that um, Hayes is going to start to utilize a lot more because you can imagine against um, teams that don't press as hard or press perhaps more than uh, Reading do it'll be a very useful asset to have someone who can run in behind like she does and then perhaps have Sam Kerr add a little bit more versatility to her playing and come from different aspects of the field. Yeah, one other interesting thing was is that sometimes you would see Fran Kirby playing centrally and Sam Kerr would be the one to go out to the left. Yeah, because, that's what I mean. Yeah, she would pick up the ball a lot and get in, and she had a lot of space to run into. Um, we weren't able to work out a, a goal-scoring chance from that, but it was still dangerous, and it made Redding have to cover the width of the pitch with their defense, and that was, it's just so hard to do, especially given the quality of players. And, of course, then it stretched them and you get and gave Fran Kirby all the space in the world to get the four goals she got that her four goal performance catapulted her into second place on the top scorer list in the WSL. She shares that second place spot with Jill Roard of Arsenal and Sam Kerr, of course. So what, one thing that is interesting here, I, I, and I, and I kind of want to want to ask your thoughts on this is that we saw Fran excel and we kind of, we, we've been waiting and kind of asking for somebody to play in that, in that role, not necessarily because G is a bad player or G can't be effective anymore, but I think there's a possibility that depending on how, how likely you are to rate this game as a, a lot or not so much, depending on where you stand on either side of those things, is it possible that this is kind of the way Chelsea need to play in the future, you know, and is and should. And if so, do you think G, G should be all right with kind of a, a, a kind of a bench role when she came off and she got into that particular 10 role? I think she was against going up against a, a tired defense. I think that she was also able to kind of survey the game and understand where the spaces would open up. And she did end up getting her second goal of the season. And I think she was only on the pitch for about 26 minutes. Uh, so do you think that this might be Emma Hayes' new plan of attack and new way to, to form the squad? Well, you hope so, because something like this or a move like this uh, kills off two of our problems. And one of those problems was early on in the season where we experienced quite a lot of fullback issues. Um, now it seems that opening up that space, is, like you mentioned, is giving other players to go and occupy that space. And, and prevent opposition teams from coming through that area. It also clears up the issue we have with finishing because Fran Kirby is another player who's able to score quite freely and comfortably and it's it's a natural way of playing football. So if we've got her in that position and it seems to be helping out, us out in areas that we need to work on and need to develop, then it seems like a bit of a no-brainer. 
Now, the only issue is, is whether or not Emma Hayes is going to feel compelled to change and adopt this new style, because we know that in the past, um, she really likes to stick to plans or like players that she's familiar with. And maybe th this idea of taking G out altogether and uh, giving her a bit of a more substitute role um, or an understudy role even is something that she won't be comfortable with at first. But I'm really hoping that this game has, has shown her exactly what what we can do in a more positive sense because you know our attack definitely needs help with conversion that was the issue we mentioned on the on the finishing deep dive conversion is a thing we've got all these amazing players top class players who played at the you know the elite level of women's sport and football sorry but we seem to be, still be struggling with xg so this this must have really helped us today i mean i'd be interesting to know i don't know if you know the xg of what what was the xg for the game yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. The numbers yeah. will probably drop um, a day later. They're usually a day late, so we'll find out uh, in about 24 hours, I suppose. Um, or maybe when you guys are listening to this, it'll already be posted, hopefully. Um, but yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, it, that was one of those other things that you said she fixed two problems by moving her central. And one, one definitely was our conversion. Fran Kirby knows how to score goals. She's been a goal scorer. She just became Chelsea's leading goal scorer of all time <laughs> uh, in, the, in the 2020. And she picks up in 2021, her first match, she goes out and scores four. And it really just helps the rest of the team settle uh, and be able to play the football the way that we know we can and let other players shine and do their thing without having that constant weight. You know, you, we did see Sam Kerr miss. She was offside, but she missed a, a chance. It was actually saved. It wasn't necessarily missed, but it was a 1v1. Uh, she hit it first time and she hit it into the keeper. And that's one of those things where even if the offside flag hadn't gone, it's just like you know, another one of those things that is frustrating about our finishing. And we keep asking, you know, are we going to be able to finish? And it didn't matter. Like you could, you, we could have gone this entire podcast and not even talked about it because Fran Kirby put the ball in the net four times. <laughs> and that's exactly what we need, whether it's Fran Kirby or somebody else. The one thing I will say and the one defensive G I, I, I do want to give and make sure we, we note is that G is usually playing in that space behind two strikers, not just one. And so it'll be very interesting to see if Emma Hayes keeps this kind of, it was almost like a 4-2-3-1 formation uh, with Cuthbert and Leupold playing in midfield, and we'll get to them in a second. Um, but if we play like a 4-4-2 again, uh, and we kind of have that interesting kind of diamond midfield almost, and G's kind of up top, with two other strikers who are taking up a lot of central areas, a lot of space in central areas, yeah. it will be interesting to see how Fran Kirby copes with that because she won't have necessarily have the kind of space she had today. But I still think that it's it depends. If we're going to play 4-2-3-1 kind of like we did today, I think that you can find ways to fit the players in there. Um, it is difficult, though, when you just have one central forward position and you got to choose between Sam Kerr, Bethany England, and Pernell Harder. Harder can play on the right, but I don't know if it's it's close to her best position. So we'll have to see what Emma Hayes does. I do think that there is a little bit of still some learning to do. Maybe on the training pitch, they've already started to do it. But I, if we're going to do this, I do think it would be interesting to see if we get Frank Kirby in that position with two strikers, does it still work the same? Yeah, and I suppose that's the experiment that, that sort of Emma Hayes needs to adopt at some point it's actually a good time to do it because we've got loads of games and not all of them will be um 
big games, not all of them will be against opposition where we need to roll out our full starting eleven or, or comply to a certain system. So if there's if there's a time to to actually try this out, then it, it's definitely now. Absolutely, and, and you know what? We were going to move on to midfield, but I'm not done talking about Fran Kirby. I'm still <laughs> excited. I'm still so happy. I just couldn't believe. Like I, I just was thrilled watching the game. I hope you guys follow our Fran Kirby Twitter account at Fran Kirby FC. Uh, we we try to live tweet every match and I was just going bonkers. <laughs> I couldn't find the right gifts fast enough. It was just such a fun performance and something that we needed uh, with this being the only WSL match because all, all the others were postponed due to COVID. It was just such a weird time and such a scary time. And you see that and, you know, Reading had the great tweet, <laughs> the just the two of us tweet uh, because Chelsea and Reading were the only WSL match. Uh, so you go check that tweet. I think it's Reading FC Women is the account handle there. Uh, they had a really fun tweet and we're looking forward to it. Probably aren't feeling so great about it now. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it was just, it was something that was needed. I think the WSL still needed to showcase a good game. They needed to have the players out there. They need to give people a reason not to ignore the league, obviously, with all the other matches that were postponed and people feeling frustrated about why it was postponed and all of that. It was just a, a great showcase of Fran Kirby put on the kind of show that you want to see. So what I want to ask you is what was your favorite Fran, Fran Kirby oh, goal? I know. It's a difficult one because <laughs> I really enjoyed the hat trick header. Yeah. yeah that was like, because the reason why was because you thought initially the ball was going out because it was just sort of out of the reach of Sam Kerr and you thought, oh, she's not going to reach that. But then she does, and you're like, oh my God, what's what now? Because I didn't expect that to happen. And the ball loops in, and the way the pass is put in, there's not a lot of pace on that cross. And the power needs to come from Fran Kirby, and she literally does like a bullet header, and it goes right in the top corner. But the other thing that I really enjoyed, <laughs> her goal where she kind of pressed the defender, I think it was the second one, and she got through. And I think we've spoken before about Fran Kirby's pressing and tackling from the front foot. Um, she's just so sort of intense with the way she plays that she never gives any defender any space or time to actually execute something that's um worth pushing forward so i think those two are sort of rivaling i've had to go for one that's my favorite uh i suppose i would go with the header because that was the one that that got her the hat the hat trick what about you yeah that's a tough one we might we might be on the same page here i was thinking the header just because it was one of those things where you already know at that point she scored with her right she scored with her left She's on a hat trick. Not only is she on a hat trick, she's on a perfect hat trick. You're right. It's got to be a header. And you see that ball get lofted into that space. And at first, it's just kind of, like you said, it was slow. It was a bit aimless. And well, it wasn't aimless because it was supposed to go into that space. So that's a little harsh on, on Sam Kerr. It wasn't aimless, but it wasn't directly to the head of Fran Kirby. And so you're wondering what's going to happen here. And then you see this, you know, in whatever color that kid is and Frank Kirby excelling <laughs> in that kid is another level of greatness. But you see somebody just kind of flash into that space and put the header in. And you're thinking, if this person stands up and turns around and I see 14 on the back of the shirt, I'm just going to go <laughs> bonkers. And that's exactly what happened. So it was just, it was so crazy to see like she actually got a header opportunity and she buried it. And then she did another header just because she's feeling good. <laughs> So yeah, I, I think it was that one. I think it has to be the header uh, for me. I mean, I'll, the others are kind of classic Fran Kirby goals. I do really love the pressing one because she created that completely out of nothing. She still, she intercepted the pass. 
held off the defender, put the ball in the back of the net. That is just impressive play. It did come from a mistake, obviously, but it also came from good pressure from Fran, 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 from Fran Kirby. I, I'm so excited. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and then the other goal was, like I said, her dribbling around the defender, uh, around the goalkeeper in the box, basically cutting inside, not outside. Normally you see a player try to cut outside and it really narrows their angle. She basically gave herself the ability to roll the ball from just beyond the penalty spot into an empty net. So that was really clever too, but just I think the game situation and the circumstance of her being on a perfect on a hat trick on a perfect hat trick and finding the way to attack that ball in that space was just fantastic. All right, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to move on and talk about the midfield and the defense just because I do think that there were some interesting things there. The match in the day was all about Fran Kirby. Shout out to the admin for. Uh, Chelsea FCW uh, Twitter account. They posted the voting poll for the, the player of the match and every single voting option is Fran Kirby. So <laughs> that's kind of how we're feeling as well. But there were some players who stood out and some other interesting things that happened in other uh, levels of the pitch. So let's go to midfield real quick. It was a midfield of Melanie Loopholes and Aaron Cuthbert. How did that work for you? How did you think they, they fared? I think that was an interesting combination because um, normally I suppose it would be Ingalls who'd be occupying that space, but we saw her in a completely different role. I suppose we'll get more on that later. Yes. Um, so Lippolt and, and Cuthbert, I think you can find two opposing players in their nature and their styles of, of football. Cuthbert is normally someone we see driving forward a lot, and I don't think we saw her in too many advanced positions. Uh, but in comparison, Lippolt was the one who was keeping things sticking in the midfield. She was the one who was sweeping out balls and, and holding possession in terms of opposition attack. And she was doing what she's done countless times this season. She's just been, she's had a number of performances where she's just been absolutely un, unplayable. And I think it's her sharpness actually, and her awareness that's the most important thing because it's it keeps that channel between defense and attack running. I think that's what makes for a more seamless attack in most cases. And, and she was a part of many in this um, in this particular game. Yeah, absolutely. It was one of those midfield performances where their job was to protect the back line and keep the ball circulating. And they did just that. I think Reading had such a problem. And obviously we had the ball stuck on in their end of the pitch a lot. But anytime they would, you know, there would be a turnover, they try to hit us in transition, they weren't able to get beyond midfield. And it was because Aaron Cuthbert is so energetic, really good at reading play and really good at pressing players. And then so was Melanie Lupul. She did that a lot. And I was thinking after the match, like I hope to find a heat map for her in this match because she was everywhere. Insane. Yeah, it was, it, I just don't, I just imagine what it would look like. And, and if, if it's at all what I think it will look like, it would be one of the, one of the most absurd ones that you'll see uh, in a match because she was literally everywhere. And that's really her game. That's her job. She reads the pitch, she finds the space, she makes herself disruptive uh, versus the attack. And then when she collects possession, she keeps it moving and she gets into positions, not only when she releases the ball, she continues to move into positions to make sure she's an outlet just in case we need to pass back or we need to recycle possession. I thought she was absolutely superb today. But what about Aaron Cuthbert? This was almost a, a, a more, like you mentioned, she didn't get forward too much. She kind of, she kind of, you know, she was in the box a couple of times and she did hit that free kick 
that Sam Kerr ended up providing the assist for Fran Kirby's header. But you didn't see her take too many, you know, long shots. She wasn't kind of roaming around the box. They kind of left that space to Fran Curry for her to yeah. be able to be the one there. And so that required Aaron Cuthbert to kind of play a more conservative in terms of going forward match. So what do you think? How do you think she did in that role? I was literally going to say exactly that. I think it's very smart for her to realize that actually Fran Kirby playing this advanced role, she's got a lot of space to use and she's utilizing it in a way that is benefiting the team. And I think she hung back a little bit. Um, in terms of how that benefited her, I think the skills that she normally possessed, the physical attributes, the driving passes and dribbling, um, she played a more supplementary role in that. And it, it suited her quite well, because as I mentioned, she's already got the skills for for any midfield role, really. So she kind of was a little bit reserved in her play, and like we mentioned, didn't get in too many advanced positions. But at the same time, she was still putting in quite a shift ne next to loopholes. And I think it was a very interesting combination. I just wonder whether whether Lupo, sorry, whether Hayes is, is going to sort of experiment with this again, but they seem to be work quite well. Yeah, the, I think shift is the absolute right term to use. You know, Aaron Cuthbert is one of the tough, I probably want to, I'm trying to find out. I don't, I don't want to, you know, uh, say anything negative about any other player, but I think Aaron Cuthbert is one of the toughest players that we have. And she no, might be the toughest player. She does not mind mixing it up. She does not mind getting her ankle stepped on. She does not mind clashing bodies with other players. She's, but she's also so skillful on the ball and a really good reader of the match. So I think you said it just perfectly. She put in a shift. She was in there to do a job and she did the job. She clocked in, yeah. she did her job, she clocked out. <laughs> And it was a really, it was a, it was a great performance and it was exactly what the team needed because the attack was humming and you didn't want to end up, you know, trying to go forward and, and get excited and join the attack, even though it would be really hard not to want to join the attack and get in on the goals and all of that because it was flowing so well. But she really did a good job to keep herself composed and keep herself in that space and to her job because it really just completely snuffed out anything that Reading was trying to do. They, anytime they got on the ball, it was seconds later and the ball was back with us and in an attacking area of the pitch. So it was, it was one of those really interesting roles. And this actually is a good transition into talking about defense because you mentioned she was probably in this role because of who was actually playing center back. Millie <laughs> Bright started the match, which is usual, your standard, and thankfully she's, she's back and feeling healthy. But next to her, was Sophie Ingle. Yeah, and surprisingly, well, we shouldn't say surprisingly, she played really well. Um, I think you mentioned somewhere before that Ingle has actually played in the centre-back role with Wales, so it wasn't sort of totally unfamiliar to her, but at the same time, she obviously hasn't played in that position for quite a while, and she seemed to get accustomed to it pretty quickly. Um, and, and maybe that kind of made Bright have to work a little bit harder, because obviously she's not playing alongside Ericsson. Ericsson did come on later. Um, but at the same time, it, as you mentioned again with Cuthbert, it did the job, what we needed to do. And it gave us a little bit more um, evidence of how our midfield can rotate. Because like we mentioned, Cuthbert and Lupots is not um, our normal sort of defensive midfield pairing. But it seems like it's something that can actually work and it's worked well. So I think this game was quite interesting because we found a lot of combinations that we didn't think would work and they have worked pretty well. And maybe some of that is down to obviously playing against Reading, no disrespect to them, but obviously we had a stronger team. But also we found out quite a bit of, of who can play where, and that's going to be really important for upcoming games because we've got quite a few upcoming games. 
Yeah, and you know, one thing, I, we talked about the finishing deep dive. We also did recently did a deep dive on our defense. And one thing yeah. that we didn't see coming was Sophie Engel playing a center back. <laughs> but absolutely. she can absolutely do that. And and I think this match is very interesting. Now, obviously, I think you also saw that Millie Bright still played a measure of her game, but she was a little bit more reserved than she normally mm -hmm. is. She didn't go out and collect as many interceptions. You didn't see her really flying up towards the, the midfield line or getting up too high up the pitch like she normally does when, when Magda Erickson is there. But she still intercepted a few passes and they still were pretty well organized. And I do think that the combination of a little bit more conservative play from the midfield and, and conservative but aggressive when necessary play from defense really helped to shut Redding all the way down and really kept Berger's night very, very easy. As, as I think the telling stat here is that Redding managed five shots total in the match, zero were on target, zero wow. on target. I think that, that basically sums it up there. That lets you know that when they were able to get the ball and you know, in the second half, they did get, have the, the ball did stick in our defensive third quite a bit, but they weren't able to penetrate. They weren't able to work out a shot. And I think it's just because of the work and the organization that was done uh, and the the way that the midfielders were playing as well, which was you know harassing the the opposition midfielders and the giving of the ball before they wanted to, rushing passes, not being able to link with one another to be able to create those combinations. So, yeah, absolutely, I was a big fan of seeing this pairing, and I think it also gives Emma Hayes another way to give some of our players some rest. You know, especially Millie Bright and Magda Erickson. So even though Magda did get in later on, she was a late substitution. So it was good to see her get in the game. Uh, Mara Mielda was in the starting lineup at right back, but we also saw that she, uh, the Chelsea account tweeted that she had to be replaced by Hannah Blundell uh, before the match. I don't know what kind of injury or if she picked up a, a problem. So we hope to find out more information on that and hopefully she's okay. Um, but then on the left, you had Jonna Anderson, we talked about her in the deep dive as well and how she's improved. What did you see from her in this match? Because I thought she had a really, really good game. Yeah, it's like you mentioned, and we spoke about this last week, Anderson as a player is just normally very reserved and quiet, but we've been seeing her get up more and more, and she's becoming more confident in her play. We saw her in a few crosses. She was, you know, linking up with Wrighton and the midfield. I think she's really starting to come into her own, and perhaps a game against Reading, you know, a side that hasn't or didn't pose as much... Um, Blank attack aside from Jess Fishlock, um, I think it was a good game for her to kind of develop that area of her even more. And I'm really liking what I'm seeing. I don't think we talk about it enough because, as I mentioned, she's the one not talking about it enough. She's a very shy character, but she's doing a lot of good things on that side. Yeah, and one thing that I really like is when Ryden's on the pitch because Ryden doesn't have the pace that kind of scares uh, a back line. But Jonna Anderson getting up and overlapping with her does have the potential to create a lot of space that Gua Wrighton can use. And I think we saw that a couple times. We didn't really get a goal crafted from it, but we did get some decent moves that started that way. And it would be very interesting to continue to see that happen. Uh, Cause I do think that when, when we have so much possession and when John Anderson feels like, you know, the left side of the flank is gonna be locked down, whether she stays back in her defensive line or whether she's given freedom to go forward, I think that her attacking and trying to get behind the defense really leaves Wrighton kind of on an island. And that's exactly what you want. You want her 
wide left in that space, being able to pick out a pass with her left foot. And I think that's another area that we could really, really use in a way that John Anderson would be very important in creating that space and making sure that we can get uh, other chances to come from that. So I was kind of excited by seeing that. And I thought she had a good composed game defensively, but I also liked some of the, um, some of the, the opportunities she had to get forward. And I thought she was pretty good at selecting when to come forward and when to stay back. So just an overall good match. Like I just, a, just one of those things that makes you happy. This is one of the reasons why we're so obsessed with this team. This team can play like this. This team plays like this on a consistent basis, probably more so than any other club. Uh, I know Arsenal can pile on some goals uh, when they're in the mood, but Chelsea, I mean, last season, we saw them rack up multiple goal games week after week after week. You know, they just overwhelm and attack and they just go for it. And this is one of those, this is, this is what we want. This is what we've seen. This is what we know the team is capable of. And so it was fantastic to see that first thing in 2021. So, and it's probably a good thing we had a match like this because the next match is going to be difficult. We have one week to prepare for the top of the table clash with Manchester United. Our cup match with Manchester City was supposed to take place midweek and that would have been a brutal kind of Manchester City and then Manchester United within about three or four days of each other. But due to the COVID-19 outbreak at City, and we certainly hope the players are healthier, um, recovering, and that their experience with COVID-19 isn't too bad. Uh, so we do want to, you know, wish them well. But because of that, our match with City had to be postponed. This was a decision that upset a few Chelsea players who were vocal about it on uh, social media. We retweeted some of those tweets uh, about them being a little frustrated, but it does give them a week to prepare for this top of the table match. It is at Kings Meadow. It is 2.30 p.m. kickoff in the UK, 9.30 a.m. in the U.S. So I'm guessing, I'm just going to ask you a very basic basic question that is very leading, but uh, this is the match of the season, right? So far, yes, because I think these are two teams that are pretty much in form. We already know how Manchester United play, and we also know that they they are quite difficult for us to play against with that low block, and it makes it difficult for our midfield to, to really play through and create any channels of attack so it's interesting we've already spoken about this new advanced role for, for Kirby do you think that is something we're going to utilize in that game yeah I think that's the question of the match really um you know we, Man Manchester United has played us well uh how we have set up previously how in the ways that we have historically set up you know last season they played us it was it was two one nil wins by us but they were late goals one was a penalty but scored by Mielda they were difficult matches. I remember watching those matches and being like, they're just, they're painful to watch because Manchester United and Casey Stoney does a great job of just snuffing out attacks. They're very organized, way more so than even Reading. Um, and it's just, I mean, testament to them being on, on the top of the table. You know, they beat Arsenal earlier in the season. They're a very good squad and they were improved with the addition of Tobin Heath and Kristen Press. So now, they have that very strong defensive presence, that very good organization, and that really killer press. But they also now have world-class players in attack to be able to capitalize on those opportunities and those turnovers in transition. So it makes it very difficult. But I think, and hopefully, we give them a different problem to solve. Um, earlier in the season, we drew the match 1-1 with them, so they were able to stop us. Uh, from doing things early in the season, from scoring the goals and having the chances we wanted to have. 
So I'm hoping that we give them a little something different to contend with and we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be interesting. Um, um, I also, sorry, sorry, I also think it's good to mention that uh, a few seasons ago, they quite, they struggled quite a lot with scoring and that's something that was evident in the championship and then slightly more evident as they came into the WSL um, top tier football. But actually, this is added on to that and it's given them two players who are very capable goal scorers. We've seen that in you know international games and we've seen that in WSL as well. So now not only do we have to contend against their low block and their their sort of strength in the flank areas and an area that we're still kind of working through, but we've also got to contend with, you know, like you mentioned, Heath and, and Press. So it's it's quite the package and it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of formation Emma Hayes heads. And also, has she learned anything from the performance slash game that we played against them early on this season? The one where, you know, it was it was a very poor performance. Has she learned anything from that? Will she play anything differently? Yeah, that's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. A match indeed. I am already ready for it. I'm a little nervous about it, obviously. But, you know, in terms of where Chelsea is in their season, we do still have a game in hand. So this is one of those matches where if we share points with Manchester United, we do have a chance to still top them by winning against other opposition. However, if we win, that automatically puts us top of the table and allows us to build to that lead with the game in hand with the game in hand so it is one of those matches that i know manchester united if they have designs on staying at, at that number one spot which i'm sure they do they're going to be giving it their all they're going to have quite a bit of rest i think the last time they will have played would be uh in probably what mid-december let me let me look it up real quick actually to see just how long of a break they may have had yeah their their last match was against bristol when they won 6-1 yeah and that was on the 20th of december so yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's it's been quite a while. It will be almost a month um, before they will have played again. So they'll be fresh, but they also may be rusty. So we'll see what happens. Now it's time for us to try to figure out what will happen. Predictions. <laughs> Miriam, I'm gonna let you go first. What do you think is gonna happen? We discussed this before the um before we were recording, and I said that it's I find it really difficult for for me to see us winning 3-2 because I think that's going to be a very close game. I think that their defence is very strong. Um, you know, they have that low block. They also have a very strong central defensive partnership. Uh, at the same time, now that I've seen this new and improved sort of attacking formation with Frank Kirby in advanced position, I don't also not see us scoring quite a few goals. So I've, I've gone for a bit of a compromise and gone with a 2-1 win for us. Ooh, there you go. And you know what? We're on the same page there. I think I'm going 2-1 oh. as well. Um, as well. Yeah, I, I do think it's going to be difficult to, to keep them completely quiet. I, I almost changed my mind when I looked at how long it had been since they played. Um, it may be the case where they aren't as smooth or as, as organized. You know, when you play like that, it is very difficult to, you know, you, that repetition really helps. You know, playing those games really helps. So it may be interesting to, to see how they respond to so much time off uh, and if they come back even stronger or the same um, or maybe even better uh, than they were in the first half of the season, though that would be difficult to do since they were really good and top the table. But I think that they will get a goal. I think we will get a goal, but I think we will end up getting the match winner late in the season. Uh, not in the season, late in the game, I'm sorry. 
Um, <laughs> that's what I think is going to happen. A late goal. I almost want to say Bethany England's going to get it, but basically that's just visions of the Conti Cup <laughs> in my head that I still, I still will never forget and I always love. Uh, so I think it's going to be something like that, a late goal where Chelsea celebrates it almost like winning a cup match. Uh, so I, that's what's in my head. I hope I don't jinx anything. This is one of the reasons why I hate doing predictions. This is a huge match. We will see. And also, sorry, I just want to confirm if, if they do win 2-1, who gets the point? I mean, I suppose just like, them? yeah, I suppose yeah. it's the draw. We share the points. I uh, suppose that's I how that goes. Maybe we can we can go with who gets the scorers right. Okay, well I mean I I kind of gave mine even though I think Ker- I think Kirby's gonna score. Okay. I think Kerr will score and I think that Heath will score. Yeah, I think Heath is probably my actually. You know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go different. I think I'm gonna go with Galton for the for the goal um, for Manchester United, and I think that the other Chelsea goal, I already said Bethany England will get the winner uh, late. So we'll see. Um, oh, this is tough. I'm gonna make sure I write this down, otherwise we're gonna forget. <laughs> I know, right? Um, you know, I think I'm gonna, I, th- I think they're gonna be marking Kirby quite well. So I think she's gonna have to turn into the assist maker. And I'm thinking uh, Pernilla Harder gets the, gets the goal. So I think it's gonna be harder in England with the goals. That's what I'm going with, yes. I, I hate making predictions, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. But all right. Anyway, while Miriam writes that down to make sure that I don't get whatever points are awarded, I understand how this works. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this was a really fun episode to record. We hope you guys enjoy it and love it and go crazy about Fran Kirby the way we have. Be sure to rate and review the podcast. It helps us grow. It's a nice thing to do. And it also helps others who are into the club, into the squad, into Fran Kirby, just like you are, helps us be able to find them, uh, find us and create a little bit of a community here. So thank you very much. We're also not gonna tell you exactly how many stars to rate us. That is a personal decision. We will only give you the knowledge that if you do not give us five stars, Fran Kirby will be very upset. And I don't know if you wanna upset her in the kind of mood she's in. I don't think you want those problems. Okay, I'm done um, threatening you guys. (laughs) Uh, And also contractually obligated to say that none of that is true. Anyway, (laughs) big match coming up. Savor this one, but let's get ready to take our rightful spot at the top of the table. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk to you next week.